You know, when they wrote that song, whomever it was, I'm sure they had great inspiration and they were moved. But for you and I standing in the sanctuary tonight, do we feel that way? That Jesus changes everything. And it in the name of Jesus, all we need. Amen. You may be seated tonight. So thankful you chose to be in the house of the Lord this afternoon. Hey, we got some business to take care of tonight. We've got some people that's in great need of prayer. Sister West's son, Brother Claude, has uh, gotten out of the hospital, so we praise God for that. We were praying for him Sunday. Uh, he stayed several hours, uh, maybe a night and half a day in the ER because they couldn't get a room for him, but uh, doctored him up. God healed him up. And he's doing better, so uh, we're thankful for that. Uh, brother and Sister Parton, Brother Jay and Sister Becky Parton are in Harlan tonight. Her grandmother passed away, and they are at the funeral home. And we're going to pray for them and ask God's comforting peace for them, God's strength and encouragement for them, and uh, his blessings be upon them. So we're going to be in prayer for the Parton family. A uh, friend of our family, uh, some of you all probably know uh, Tickle. Uh, her name's Monica. Uh, we called her Tickle uh, all my life. We've called her Tickle. And uh, to my knowledge, she was diagnosed with stage three lung cancer. And she's at UT uh, right now uh, going through chemotherapy. And uh, we're going to pray a miracle for her. We're going to pray a blessing for her tonight. So uh, anyone need to be prayed for? in the sanctuary anyone need to be prayed for everybody's good please in Jesus name amen Miss JC Absolutely, we'll be praying for you. Pray for a miracle, a favor of God to be upon you all. Brother Rimmel. We will pray for Sister Rimmel. That's the Dobbs theory, isn't it? Come on its own, it'll leave on its own. So, amen. We'll pray for Sister Rimmel. Brother Mays, did you say something or was I hearing things? You were thinking out loud. That's a scary thing if I'm picking up on your thoughts. Uh, very scary. Uh, all right. Yes, Sister Angela. Not good. Your your youngest brother? Oh, okay, Mike's brother, Mike's uh, baby brother. We shall pray, absolutely. We will be praying. Is he local? Houston. Okay, absolutely pray. We need we need to make a note of these uh, that the these that are in great need of a miracle. Uh, we need to make a note of them and make sure that we're putting them. Not only in our church prayer, but our individual prayer. Amen. Brother Willett, did you have a prayer 
need tonight. Your older brother's in the hospital. I, I can't hardly hear you. I apologize. Is he, is he local or is he the one that, Oregon? Okay. Need prayer. Amen. Need prayer. Yes. praying absolutely why don't we do this why don't we stand together and let's let's go to prayer in prayer in unity tonight believing that God's going to hear our prayers faith is what's going to move mountains when we pray we've got to believe that God's hearing us and so often people I feel go through a routine of prayer without the faith to believe God's going to move in my prayer so the names that were mentioned, many of them are, are absolutely a must that God move in their life. Would you mention those names tonight? Father God, in the name of Jesus, we humble our life before the presence of an almighty King. Lord, you're able to do exceeding abundantly above what we're asking of you tonight. There's nothing hard for you. You're well able, Lord God. You're well able to minister and to do what needs to be done. God, we're praying your will be done in every prayer. We're praying your will be done in every life. We're asking of you, God, not only to move in the sanctuary, but, Father, in the name of Jesus, in every life that has been mentioned here, every name that's been mentioned, we ask for you to dispatch an angel to them. We ask that you anoint them. We ask that you show mercy, long-suffering, and great grace upon them. Father, if they are not where they need to be in their relationship with you. I pray in the name of Jesus for another chance. I pray in the name of Jesus you give them more time. I pray in the name of Jesus that you knock on their heart a little harder and remind them, Lord God, the value, the, what they need to be doing. And I pray your blessings upon this service, your anointing upon this service tonight, Lord God, your blessings upon our lives tonight. We do love you. We do honor you. And we exalt you above all other in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Just remain standing for a moment. And uh, Mr. Mason, would you help me out tonight with an offering, please? Would you get an offering basket? And uh, we're going to elect some new ushers. I'm telling you, we are. So uh, we'll give them another day, though. Um, Mr. Mason, come. Let's bring our, get our offerings tonight. Let's bring our tithes tonight. And uh, let's give to the work of the Lord in Jesus' name.
I think everyone's in the sanctuary tonight and uh, not having class outside the sanctuary. Amen. How many's witnessed to an individual or a group of people and when you're witnessing to them, man, you're you're pumped. You you feel the Holy Ghost. You're excited. Uh, you're not looking for words, searching for words, but they're there. Uh, you feel the anointing on you, and yet you you wonder how much of what you're witnessing and what you're saying are they grasping. Uh, have you ever ever talked to somebody and and you you know that you're probably losing them? Somewhere in that conversation, you're losing them. Uh, you're, you're excited about what God's doing. You're excited about what, what uh, you're teaching and what you're ministering to them. Tonight, I want to I talk to you for a little while about what, what the dilemma is that we're dealing with in our society today. As a church that is a light into the world, he said we're the salt of the earth, right? The dilemma that we're dealing with today of how are we approaching, how are we communicating, and how are we ministering to people of our day. We know our culture's changing. We know that knowledge is increasing. We know that society, maybe if we could use the word evolving, we've changed over 100 years drastically. Amen? We changed drastically over a 100-year period of where we used to be to where we are today. How are we communicating this glorious gospel to people? How are we getting through and ministering to them? I found out that our, the basic needs of humanity hasn't changed. Our lifestyles have changed. Our culture's changed. Our society maybe has evolved we more knowledge, but the basic need of humanity is still the same. If you have your Bible, I want you to go with me to the book of Second Peter, chapter two, verse four through six, and I want you to stand with me tonight for the reading of the word, and let's see what the Lord has for us this afternoon. Second Peter, his second letter that he wrote, verse four. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, cast them down to hell, delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. I want you to think about the words he chose to use because he was very clear in what was taking place. He didn't leave any room for grace. He didn't leave any room for doubt. Did you know there is no redemption plan for Satan? Right? There is no redemption plan for Satan. The redemption plan was for you and me. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. Verse 5, And spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. Verse 6, And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly. 
Wow, what a way to start a service. That's very strong words from the good apostle, right? Pray with me. Father, we love you tonight, and we're thankful this opportunity to study your word is given. We're thankful, Lord God, that these individuals that are here tonight have come in to hear you. They've come in to worship. They've come in to study. They've come in to receive from your throne. I pray, God, in Jesus' name, that you anoint my mouth, that I might speak words of life, that I might plant the seed of this gospel in good ground that brings forth a great harvest. Bless tonight, Lord God, in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. You may be seated tonight. Thank you for standing for the word of the Lord. Think about this for a moment as we minister for just a little while on this thought, a human approach to a holy God. How difficult is it? Think about this. How difficult is it for someone without a biblical base to understand the principles of God based on human thought or human reasoning or human senses. How difficult is it today for us to communicate the gospel according to the gospel to people without a biblical base? Did you know when I was growing up, I didn't go to church, but I had people all around me that went to church And they were very vocal about their relationship with God. They did not care to tell you what you were doing wrong and what you should be doing to do right. So therefore, even people that did not have a biblical or have a relationship with God had a biblical base all around them. But today we're living and dealing with people that does not have that praying grandmother or grandpapa, or dad, or mom, or aunt, or uncle, and they're living in a a place where they're not having any biblical base or foundation planted in their life. How difficult is it for someone without a biblical base to understand the principles of God? So when you witness and you minister this gospel according to the gospel, How much are they grasping? Prison ministry last night, I was ministering, and I was trying to build a foundation for them to build on. And we've got men in there from all different backgrounds, of denominations, of thought and theory. And I was ministering to them, and I would remind them often, this is not what I say. This is what's in your Bible. So if we're communicating what the Bible says based on simple scripture of reading it for themselves or reading it, we read this, then we understand that we're giving them something that is not our doctrine or our dogma, but it's simply what is the Word of God and how it lays out. But even in that, think for a moment. Someone without a biblical base. What this word right here presents as absolute truth and fact. Can you imagine 
Can you imagine someone that does not have a relationship with God whenever you begin to present this of creation in six days? Of Noah building an ark and a flood covering the earth. Can you imagine somebody that's trying to understand how did Jonah live in a fish and three days later he's still alive and he goes preaches a message of repentance think for a moment how did Lazarus die buried four days and come back to life but yet we're presenting this as truth we're presenting this as fact and I don't have any problem believing that they are that's not what I'm insinuating tonight, but I'm, I'm speaking in the term, how do people approach God today? In a society of very educated people that will think things through. We're talking about Jesus that died on a cross, buried in a tomb, and rose on the third day. So we're presenting something that is beyond the realm of human reasoning of how these things happen. So we understand that God would not that any should perish, right? Is that what Scripture says? God would not that any should perish. But as we read from 2 Peter tonight, we realize that eight souls out of all living humans, eight souls were saved. God would not that any should perish, but yet eight souls were saved. When you look at Sodom and Gomorrah, three souls were saved. So how do we reason this? How do, how do we process this? Is this a dilemma? Whenever you're ministering to people, is this a dilemma in presenting the gospel? How many people do you talk to on a weekly basis that base the word on tradition, right? Did you know that was what the apostles had a, had a great problem with in their day? It wasn't, it wasn't a Catholic tradition. It wasn't a Baptist. It wasn't a Methodist. It wasn't anything to that nature. It wasn't a Pentecostal. It was a Jewish tradition. It was a Mosaic law tradition. And, and Peter was trying to work through, the Apostle Paul was trying to work through the teachings to bring them to a new understanding of Scripture, of grace, of Jesus Christ being the sacrificial lamb. But today, we're not dealing with the Mosaic law in Arthur, but yet we're dealing with the traditions of man. Amen. So as we present this and we begin to look at this, are we approaching a holy God? Are we coming into the presence of a holy God through human senses and reasoning? I woke up this morning and God began to deal with me on how we approach and how we're doing business. Are we trying to reason things out or are we just simply taking the word of God and accepting it? Are we trying to sense, use our human senses, our, 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 our process of thinking? And, and we absolutely have to think. I'm not insinuating that. So don't, don't take me out of text of what I'm talking about tonight. 
but somewhere there's got to be a faith level that elevates to where we look at this and we, we think, that doesn't make sense to me. But as the apostle Peter said when he said, why don't you cast your nets on the other side? He said, at your word. You know, some things just simply don't make sense to me, but at thy word, I will still do it. This doesn't add up. I can, I can think about it all I want to, but it doesn't add up. But yet, at thy word, why would God plant, why would, why would God create man in his own image, put him in a garden, and tell him this tree's off limits? But yet, you can eat of it if you want to. Amen. But when you do, you're going to die. Over a course of time, a study in God, we understand how that works of giving us an opportunity to love him unconditionally, to love him more than we love anything else, that it is our choice to love him. So we look in these and we see this, but I want you to think tonight of how our life has changed, how our society has changed. When you approach God, do you approach him as a CEO? Do you see him as, a, as a, a God that you go through the routine of prayer, but yet you don't really have faith he's hearing? Or do... I'm asking a question. I'm not insinuating. But I do believe there's people all over that call themselves Christian by the grace of God not in here, but all over that call themselves a Christian, they pray a prayer because it's the right thing to do, but yet their faith has never elevated for God to do anything. But yet they pray because they know prayer is right. They ask God because they know it is right to ask God, but yet their faith has never reached into the throne room of heaven so that God would move. If you'll remember whenever, whenever he was doing things, he would look at them and say, it is your faith that has made you whole. So when you approach God, is he your buddy? Is he a president? Is he a king? How do we get into the presence of God and how do we view him? Because that determines our approach to him and how we come before him. I don't want to be confusing tonight by any means, but I want us to understand there are things in this Bible that doesn't add up for human thought. You look through the Old Testament of when they came out of Egypt, much of the things they were going through was typology, and they had no idea why they were doing it. Why am I getting water from a rock? Right? Why, why do we have to rely on this rock? Why do we have a cloud? Why do we have this, this fire by night? Why, why do we have this? Why do we have to carry this tabernacle? Why do we have to carry all these utensils? Why do we carry all this stuff? And, and some of the things that did not add, why do we need to go through the Red Sea? Why can't we go around? God, why are you doing this? Why are you requiring the best sheep that I've got? Right? Why do you ask of me to give the best sheep in the pasture? Our normal life 
saint of God is vastly different than it was 100 years ago. December 17, 1903, according to history, the Wright brothers made the first flight. 1903. It was New Year's Eve, 1879, that the first one-cylinder, two-stroke gas automobile developed by Carl Benz ran. Where are we at today? A hundred and some years later, think about where we've come, the knowledge that has increased, the change, the developments, the way we've evolved. Luke chapter 17, verse 26 through 28 says, And as it was in the days of Noah, you know, we look at the days of Noah, and we realize that culture was so much different. Society was so much different. They were riding horses and camels, ships and boats, right? And now we're flying 500 mile an hour in a commercial jet, 600 mile an hour. The last one we were on, they gave you a little drop down. You could watch how high you were, the speed they were going, had a map where you were at, average about 525 mile an hour, just cruising. But in Noah's day, it was different. But think about this, God understood some things. Luke wrote, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. The flood came, destroyed them all. Verse 28, likewise also it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. Our society is absolutely different than when Noah was building the ark. Yet the Bible tells us what was normal then is what's normal now. Amen? That's what's normal now. Our society, our culture, the way we do business is different, but what was normal then was sin. Sin had become normal. And we're living in a day whenever it's fastly approaching. You know, I used to really think people were weird. And I realize that it's me, right? It's me. That's not normal. And Brother Mays, I realize that is normal. I'm the one that's not normal, right? Because what they're doing out there, shacking up and living together, drinking and doping, that's normal. When we stay away from the things of the world, that's what's not normal. So what God was saying is it was a normal day. They did not see anything different when Noah had prepared the ark and entered in. There was nothing abnormal. 
It was all the same old, same old. And he said, this is the way it's going to be. Did you know that what would make our grandparents blush and quickly turn their head is now primetime TV and marching down the streets? And sin is becoming normal. And people don't blush and people don't think about it and people don't call it out. And it's become a normal thing. So what he pointed out was not that they're going to be driving fast cars or they're going to be flying in planes. He said before the Son of Man comes, it's going to be like Noah's day. They're just going to be eating. They're going to be drinking. They're going to be marrying. They're going to be working. They're going to be building. It's going to be a normal day. But yet he's looking at the sin issues of life. And that's what brought his wrath upon Noah's day. That's what brought his wrath upon Sodom and Gomorrah. And that's what will bring his wrath upon this world that we're living in today. And it will not be a flood, but he said the world will melt with fervent heat. The earth. But it would be a normal day. Can you imagine? You got up that morning and you went to work. And Noah entered in an ark. And God shut the door, and all of a sudden you saw something that you'd never seen in your life, and that was water fall from heaven. And the next day it rained, and the next day it rained, and the day after that it rained, and the day after that it rained. Here's here's what's amazing. We read through scriptures, and it seems so easy to go to the next verse and the next verse and the next verse, but we don't see the children that's running heels. We don't see moms carrying babies over their head to try to stay away from the flood. We don't see dads that's that's climbing through the woods and trying to bring their family and get to a higher place and climbing a rock or climbing a tree and hoping the water stops today and doesn't get any higher and we can make it another half mile and we can make it another 500 feet and we're going to run out of room and we're going to run out of real estate and they're hoping for the best but yet It was a normal day until Noah entered into the ark. In Genesis chapter 6, it says in verse 5, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. Every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. It repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, grieved him at his heart. Verse 13, and God said unto Noah, the end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. So this was life as normal until the day Noah entered the ark. People were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage. But all the while, this normal life was interwoven with wickedness. Just going about my business, not doing anybody any harm. But yet God is seeing the wickedness, the violence. And Peter wrote about this in his second letter, and he said, he called it, said the world was ungodly. 
as sinful but normal, right? But normal. They were just eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, going about their daily routine, building, planning. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Notice in Genesis 6, verse 8 through 9, it says, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. I'm telling someone tonight, we can live holy in an unholy world. We can view God different than all the other people here on earth. We can come into the presence of God not with a human thought or approach, but we can come before him through the power of his spirit that has ignited something on the inside of us to give us an insight. He said he would call us out of darkness, right? Into a marvelous light. I believe that marvelous light is revelation. It's an understanding because the Holy Ghost will lead you into all truth. So it, it is that God wants us to understand some things about him. So tonight I'm asking, is your faith, according to the Scripture, Noah's faith pushed him, right, to build an ark? Noah's faith pushed him to obey the Word of God to build the ark to the saving of his family. So I'm asking tonight, is your faith pushing you to build an ark? Is it prompting you to obey the Word? We're living in an ungodly world. It's always been that way. Since Adam's sin, it's been ungodly. And it did not take very long at all until Noah got off the ark and God cursed more man. Right? So we see this pattern because we're human and we have this human nature that we've received from Adam that sinned So until we have this glorified body, we're going to deal with the issues of sin. But God has it worked out. As we look into Scripture, we understand sin was normal. And how far have we traveled in my lifetime, in your lifetime? from where sin used to make people blush. Young people are subjected to things today that a young person in my day did not have access to. Today, in our society, Some of the things that are designed to create a safety net for our children becomes an avenue that creates problems. Y'all saw the cameras that people are using in their children's room and people are hacking the camera and talking to the children while they're in their bedroom? Craziness, crazy stuff going on. But we understand that now the world has a greater access to our bedrooms, to our homes, to our families, to our children. 
before a pervert had to come and knock on your door and walk into your house. And now a pervert can come into your house without ever entering into your house physically. And it's rampant. Saint of God, violence is rampant today. And what God is looking at may be vastly different than what you and I are looking at. Think about the children that are aborted per day in the United States, sanctioned by our government. What's God seeing in our normal day? Because we got up this morning and went to work. We got up this morning and went about our daily routine. And we probably didn't think about sin. And we probably didn't think about children being abused all around us. Physically, emotionally, right? Verbally. And we went about our routine because in our circle, everything's all right. But what's God seeing? Because it's become normal. Peter described Noah as a preacher of righteousness. Let me, let me read you just a couple paragraphs from the complete works of Josephus. It says, Noah was very uneasy at what they did, being displeased at their conduct, persuaded them to change their disposition, disposition and their acts for the better. But seeing they did not yield to him, but were slaves to their wicked pleasures, he was afraid they would kill him, together with his wife and children and those they had married, so he departed out of that land. Now God loved this man for his righteousness, yet he not only condemned those those other men for their wickedness, but determined to destroy the whole race of mankind and to make another race that should be pure from wickedness and cutting short their lives and making their years not so many as they formerly lived, but 120 only. He turned the day or the dry land into sea, and thus were all these men destroyed, but Noah alone was saved. For God suggested to him the following way of escape that he should make an ark of four stories high, 300 cubits long, 50 cubits broad, 30 cubits high. According, accordingly, he entered into the ark, his wife's sons and their wives, and put into it not only other provisions to support their wants there, but also sent in with the rest all sorts of living creatures, the male and his female, for the preservation of their kinds and others of them by sevens. Now this ark had firm walls, a roof, and was braced with the cross beams so that it could not be any way drowned or overborne by the violence of the water. And thus was Noah with his family preserved. According to 2 Peter, he used Noah as an example to demonstrate the judgment. I want, you to, I want you to notice what he wrote in 1 Peter. We've read from 2 Peter. 
Notice what he, what he wrote in 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 19. By which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometimes were disobedient, when once the longsuffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. Notice verse 21 because it says the like figure. The like figure were unto even baptism also now save us. Not the putting away of the flesh or the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, how many today discounts baptism and reduces it to simply a choice or a ritual or an outward show of an inward conversion of little importance? But yet, according to the Apostle Peter, he reached all the way back to the day of Noah and said he was saved by water. The like figure, the like figure, this word translated figure into the New Testament from the Greek indicates that baptism is a fulfillment of what was typified by the role of water in saving Noah's family. Notice what it says in Ephesians because this is a feel-good scripture. This is a scripture that people like. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, it says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That's a good, feel-good scripture that people like because it eliminates that scripture. If you pick those two verses out and you don't look at anything else in the Bible and you simply look at those two verses, it eliminates any part on us, any requirement on us right? Nothing we have to do. It's all about God, and it's nothing we do. That's the scripture that people like. Business as usual. Busy about living. And when you talk about living holy and baptisms and spiritually sound that's for overzealous right fanatics because this is am i talking about our society today amen am i talking about our society today it was noah's faith in god it was Noah's faith in God that caused him to obey God's command to build the ark. That's Hebrews eleven seven. It was Noah's faith that caused him to obey God's command to build the ark. In the day that we're living in our society that has evolved in our culture that is very intelligent, very knowledgeable, very educated, can we rightfully approach God with human thought and reasoning and get where we need to be? Or should we look at the Word of God and accept His Word as an absolute 
and say, at thy word, I will. That doesn't make human sense, but at thy word, I will. I don't understand that in its fullness, but at thy word, I will. God, I don't know why we have to go through this Red Sea, but at thy word, I will stretch forth this rod, and whenever it parts, we will walk through. And the New Testament picks that up and said, Look here, they were baptized unto Moses, the deliverer. And Noah's thinking, why am I building an ark to the saving of my family? And the apostle Peter picks it up and says, that is like our baptism, that we're saved by water. Notice this. Stand with me. As we look at it as the gospel according to the gospel, and if you look at it, if you look at the gospel according to the gospel, It's always going to include baptisms. It's always going to include baptisms. When the Apostle Paul ran across the disciples of John the Baptizer, I want you to notice how things break down. Over just a course of a few years, things break down. The words that John would say, I will baptize you with water, he will baptize you with a Holy Ghost and fire. So in Acts 19, the Apostle Paul looked at John's disciples and he said, Have you got the Holy Ghost? They said, We don't even know what the Holy Ghost is. But their teacher, when he was living said, he'll fill you with the Holy Ghost. But over a course of years, the teacher's teaching dropped off to where now we only have baptism. And if you pick up the gospel according to the gospel, it's going to talk about baptisms. So the Apostle Paul immediately, because he understood the uniform teaching of the apostles, right? The uniform teaching of the apostles, he said, how were you baptized? If you've never heard the Holy Ghost, you have not been around my friend Peter. How were you baptized? Let's talk. And they said to John's baptism, he said, you need to get rebaptized. That was good for the day. But your revelation, I'm about to give you a new understanding of Scripture, and you need to get rebaptized. Right? That's in the Scripture. That's not my doctrine. That's not my dogma. That's Scripture. I was baptized unto John. He said, John baptized unto repentance. And he rebaptized them in the name of Jesus Christ. And whenever he laid hands on them, they began to talk in other tongues. 
and they knew, Brother Mays, about the Holy Ghost because they got it. All they, they weren't bad people. They were good people. They wanted to do right. They wanted more. They wanted to live for God. Everything was going in the right direction, but what they needed was somebody to expound just a little bit more, right? As Aquila and Priscilla got together and said, let's talk. Silas was very eloquent, but he just needed a little bit more help. He said, let's talk. Notice this in Mark 16. And he said unto them, go you into all the world. That's Arthur. Preach the gospel. The gospel, according to the gospel, will always include baptisms. It will always include holiness. It will always include God first. Way of living, right? Preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. And there was no reason for him to carry that sentence out farther because if they do not believe, it would not matter if they were baptized 200 times. Amen. So, what's our approach? When you're talking to somebody with a doctorate degree, when you're talking to somebody that's a professor, when you're talking to somebody that's highly educated and they proclaim that they're an atheist, agnostic, people that don't live or acknowledge a Christian lifestyle. How do you present this gospel? Amen. How do we look at it in a society that we're at? Are we intimidated by this lifestyle of our day? Are we intimidated? by this lifestyle. We're going to talk about it, hopefully, by the grace of God for the, in the next, next handful of weeks coming up, and we're going to get into some, uh, some of the gospel according to the gospel. And by the grace of God, look at, look at a handful of things. I want to be spiritually minded enough to be able to receive from the Lord what the Lord has. A carnal mind cannot receive from the Lord, right? Prayer has to be made. A carnal mind is an enemy to God. So we've got to have a spiritual mind and say, God, I need to hear from you tonight. I need to hear your voice. Amen. So we're going to study. Be smart and ahead in the gospel. Amen. Friday night prayer. 7 o'clock, and uh, our first rally of the year will be at Brother Triplett's church, and he knows how to kick it off, and uh, I think they've got a new pastor, out with the old, in with the new. I haven't heard the official word. I talked to Brother Miller a handful of days back, and he said he would let me know. Uh, it is official.
and they're going to have an installation service and all of that. So I will let you know, and we'll go with uh, shouting and praise and uh, give great honor. Did you all know that Brother Triplett's, oh, he may be watching, Brother Triplett's in his 70s? If I've got that much energy when I'm in my 70s, I'm going to be a happy man. But I plan to have, I plan to have. Let's pray. Father, we love you tonight. God, we're thankful for your good grace and your good mercy and your kindness. God, I'm thankful tonight for friends. I'm thankful for people that want to go forward, want to grow forward. I ask you in Jesus' name, God, help us not to be offended at your word, but help us to walk spiritually minded. Help us to walk in the anointing and the authority, God, that we understand you. God, we don't understand all the typology and all the things that we do and all the things that you require. But God, at thy word, help us to be, by faith, obedient to the word of God and apply everything to our life to the best of our ability. And when it's outside our ability, let us tap into the power of the Holy Ghost and your strength be made perfect in our weakness. God, minister to this congregation of people, those that are not here, bless. Those that are here, Lord God, give them a blessed week the rest of this week in Jesus' name. We love you and honor you. Amen. Hey, love you all. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Sister Brock, you've got a friend with you tonight.